The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 539. Cool stuff found for Sunday, February 8th, 2014. Yes, to 2015, the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in today cool stuff found, and we share that cool stuff found and talk about some cool stuff found that we found ourselves too. Sponsors for this episode include Gazelle at gazelle.com, where you can sell back all your old stuff and get some money for it and even buy stuff from them. We'll talk more about that and Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG, where the coupon code MGG gets you 10% off of Squarespace's services. Squarespace, build it beautiful. We will talk more about that later in the show, too, here in Durham, New Hampshire, and temporarily, temporarily, temporarily in 2014 there for a moment. But in now 2015, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, firmly rooted in 2015. In fearful Connecticut, this is John F. Brown. Time's an abstract concept, though, isn't it, John? I mean, take what we do with this show, for example, right? We are here now doing this. But when I say now, you listening hear it as now for you. And, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. So now is I mean, is it now? Right. There's that great line in uh, in Minority Report. That that uh, Tom Cruise movie where people were were convicted of crimes that they might commit, you know, and and pre-crime, uh, pre-crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when the when the the whatever she was, the the the, uh, the the visionary, the soothsayer, whatever she was, when she came out of the thing and she actually asked that question, is it now? <laughs> I love that line. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Or can you see? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So is it now? Is it now? Is it time to do cool stuff found, John? Oh, what was I going to say? Time is an illusion. Lunchtime doubly so. That's a, one of the <laughs> best ones from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. A fountain of all, all knowledge and wisdom, I think. It's a good a f- book. Yes. A font. Font? Fountain? Which, which is, are those words interchangeable in that way? I don't know. I should know. I uh, don't think so. Okay. I can't make I can't so, just make stuff up. I can't make up literary facts as well as computer facts. I can I can only make up the computer facts during the show. Is that right? Sure. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Jeremy. Jer- sorry, Jeremiah. Uh, this is something I can't believe we've never mentioned it, but I don't believe we've ever mentioned it. So it does not fall. We will have a section of cool stuff found reprise where we bring back some things that we've talked about before, uh, perhaps with a different angle on them. However. Jeremiah says, I wanted to share a quick tip that I've been jazzed about lately. I'm a relatively new Mac user. I bought my first MacBook Pro last April. Uh, I found an article that, uh, 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 well, anyway, he goes through this whole big process. If you use Dropbox, you can have Dropbox save your screenshots to Dropbox folder. And that way your screenshots are available on all your Macs. And, uh, and this happens... Uh, I believe there's a setting if you go to Dropbox preferences, but it will ask you. So if you click on the Dropbox menu at the top and go to uh, preferences, does it give you? Yeah. On the uh, import screen or preference pane, 
Uh, down at the bottom, there's a little checkbox, share screenshots using Dropbox. And then instead of saving, it, it does two things for me, frankly. Number one, it keeps all the screenshots from appearing on my desktop, which I don't want. Um, and this is, uh, and, it, and it saves them in your Dropbox folder, which means you can get out of them anywhere, which is uh, super handy if you're using screenshots for that purpose. So this is Command Shift 3 will t- just immediately take a screenshot of all of your uh, your entire screen or screens. If you have multiple monitors, you actually get two images uh, at the moment. And then uh, if you want to get a more narrow view, you can do command shift four, which gives you crosshairs with the crosshairs. You can draw on the screen, a box. And as soon as you're finished drawing the box, the screenshot is taken or with command shift four. Once you have the crosshairs up, you can hit the space bar to toggle between crosshairs and window camera mode. And with window camera mode, you just float over your uh, windows and when you get on the one that you want to take a picture of snap it and it will actually take a picture of that window it'll uh, clear out the background do a little drop shadow for you and that will also save to your dropbox folder and if that's not enough adding the control key to that mix so command shift three or command shift four adding control so command control shift three or four gets you the screenshot not saved to a file but instead put on your clipboard so you can paste it in wherever you want including into an email so there you go that's a that's a start john did i miss anything on the screenshot thing there look at that no that's nice yeah i just saw it come up you can either say save or no thanks or no thanks that's right yeah yeah i like it i like screenshots i use them constantly Along those lines, Bruce hipped us to something called Expand Drive, E-X-P-A-N-D-R-I-V-E. Uh, Expand Drive, according to Bruce, is uh, the fastest, or according to them, the fastest way to upload and manage files in the cloud. You can access files in the cloud just like it's on a USB drive connected to your Mac. It, it sort of consolidates all of your cloud services into one. So uh, it, it, it manages manages all your your stuff and and makes it so that you have one big cloud storage device called expand drive so it's pretty cool expanddrive.com we'll put a link in the show notes to that full show did you check out uh expand drive john i've not checked out expand drive but now that we're talking about online uh or, or talking about cloud storage Dave, i thought i mentioned two things that i've uh noticed as of late uh, so one actually is with Dropbox. I don't know if you got the the, the memo here, but uh, apparently Dropbox now is. Um, yeah, I got a note the other day. They said, "Hey, you know what? We we got this new email client, but we think you should uh, you should check out here, and uh, and if you do, we'll give you some bonus space." Oh, interesting. Right, I think it's Mailbox. Mail, mailbox yeah. that's been around for a long time, I, but now I guess they're enticing people in with uh, with bonus space, huh? Yeah, so that's one thing. So if you, um, yeah, so so uh, yeah, it's probably buried in your uh, buried in your inbox somewhere. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, if you opt to uh, try out uh, the mailbox client, they'll toss you an extra, I guess, gig of uh, space. I I don't uh, think that's new. In fact, I think that's been around for years. But I mean, but okay. we but we've never talked about. I just it. I got, yeah, I got yeah, a remi- yeah. I just got a reminder the other day, and I don't know, maybe they just sent it to me saying, sure. hey, you know, you have you're you're not using this so uh got do it. it so yeah so now i got a total of 22.2 gigs on my uh dropbox account nice. which uh is nice that is nice yeah. um 
And speaking of the cloud services, Dave, um, so one that I just got on the bandwagon with, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll post a link here because you can get bonus space. But I don't know why I've never really paid attention to them. But you know, Microsoft's doing some interesting things out there as of late. But uh, Microsoft has, I think they used to call it SkyDrive, and now yeah. it's OneDrive. Yeah. And I actually signed up for that. And the only thing I got to say with them, I mean, you know, I, I have multiple cloud sync services just because. But um, you sign up with them, you get 15 gigs. And then if you choose to sync your camera roll, which I did on my iOS devices, they throw you another 15. So I got 30 gigs. That's pretty generous for, for free. That's so, pretty good. Um, yeah. Again, it's, you know, yet, yet another. I, I think I've, I've got all the cloud services covered right now. <laughs> um, no, Dropbox, BitCasa, uh, so Google sounds- Drive, you and I use. Um, it sounds like Expand Drive might be perfect for someone like you that uses all of these and has stuff spread between them. Yeah, because, you know, it does get kind of confusing because, you know, each one uh, usually uh, uh, indicates uh, what it's doing in the finder with an icon. And this can get kind of chaotic if you use multiple services. They may fight with each other. So you may not be able to tell exactly which service you're using to uh, sync things. So, yeah, um, that's something I should be checking out. But uh Cool. Yeah. Hey, OneDrive. Why not? I, I think it integrates all. And I think it's to coerce you to, you know, tr- try out their, uh, you know, office offerings, which uh, sure. one would assume integrates well with their, their OneDrive. But, you know, I actually abandoned Office, Dave. What are you using? Uh, you know, it was uh, one of my machines here. So, you know, you we had gotten a, uh, um, you know, media uh, keys uh, long ago for Office. And sure. uh, I think I tried to activate it once too often because one of my machines, it basically came up and said that, sorry, can't, can't, uh, you know, you've, you've exceeded the number of times you can use this key. And I'm like, ah, man, but all you gotta do is call them on the, all you gotta do is call Microsoft on the phone and they'll give you a new key in that. Uh, that Well, this key is, um, I did it with my, with my, my NFR key that, that they gave us. And it it was like a non-issue. They do this all day long. It's crazy that it, it, it's the biggest farce in software uh, licensing that all you got to do is call on the phone. And I mean, I have a, I have, as you do, I have rights to this license that, that, you know, that was given to me. And, and like you said, you know, you wind up using it on different machines over the, over time. And, and then it just hits whatever Microsoft servers limit is. And you call them up or you could try to do it online, which usually fails. And they say, you got to call somebody and you read this big, long number to them. And then they fixed, you know, they give you one back and then you're good to go. Yeah. But you know, I, I decided, you know what, let me try something different. Sure. So I actually totally threw away office on one of my machines mm-hmm. and I'm going to see how I get a lot. And uh, so far the Apple apps oh. um, seem to f- do pretty well. I mean, well, that's they understand. what I, that's what my I office use. documents. I mean, they understand the, you know, word files and Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. And, uh, so I'm going to give, give that a go. See how, you know, how, how long I can, uh, Oh, you'll go without office. You'll go a long time. I, I, I have office on my machine and I make sure that it's at least launchable. If I need to do things that are a little more, uh, specific to word, like if I'm sending back and forth a document where we're tracking changes or something, pages is not the right thing to use as an intermediary if the person on the other end wants to use word. But, um, but otherwise pages and numbers, that's where I live. I mean, I don't ever launch office for my own stuff. It's all in pages and numbers. It's, it, they're great apps. There's one 
there's one UI quirk with numbers where you can't totally live on the keyboard like you could with Excel. You, there, you have to go to the mouse to, to uh, jump cells sometimes uh, if you're in the middle of data entry. But other than that, um, I find numbers a very pleasing experience and it launches much faster. And yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Listener John has a uh, <laughs> has a great story. Uh, says here's a uh, short tip to hopefully help someone else from making the same dumb mistake that I did. At one point, the click on my MacBook Pro trackpad stopped working. I could move the cursor around, but I couldn't click on anything. Same result with the Bluetooth connected trackpad. I ran a full hardware test with the holding down D on startup, but it came up that everything was okay. Then I worked out that it would only happen when I was plugged into power and ethernet. Now, uh, I should note that I have control plane installed and had it set to turn Bluetooth on when connected to power and ethernet and off when disconnected from power and ethernet. This is so that I can have an external keyboard and trackpad at my desk to automatically turn Bluetooth on when I'm uh, in a different or turn, turn blue Bluetooth off when I'm in a different room of the house to reduce the uh, trackpad keyboard connected disconnected messages, which is smart. Totally a smart use of control plane as an aside uh, control plane app dot com is is where that is. And that's an awesome use, because uh, if you are close enough to your trackpad and keyboard, you start getting those weird messages going back and forth. So that's I like it um, in any event. He said, uh, after a while trying to fix the problem, I thought I would try my Bluetooth mouse to see if that worked. I found my mouse sitting under a pile of papers that my kids had dropped on the desk. The papers were heavy enough that they were pressing down on the mouse button. Once I realized the mouse or once I released the mouse, my problems were fixed. So, yeah, I, I've been through this, too. In fact, it's it's almost to the point where when I can't click on something, I start looking around for, you know, something being on top of either the trackpad or the mouse, you know, whatever might be buried under papers or books or, or something. And uh, and almost invariably, that's what it is. So great tip, John. Thank you for for sending that in. That's uh, <laughs> it happens. It happens to the best of us. So good stuff. Good stuff. You ever been through that, John? malfunctioning uh um no i call that an error between the chair and the keyboard in the truest sense <laughs> the only case i've heard of that is when people have swelling batteries <laughs> oh well yeah that's a different one that's right that's right yeah <laughs> we've had more than one person they're like yeah all of a sudden my uh, trackpad doesn't work anymore i'm like you notice a little bulge somewhere? yeah 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 those days have passed though that's i right. haven't heard of any battery catastrophes with uh, any apple stuff as of late Brian Monroe says in the chat room, uh, much like we used to have to clean the lint off the uh, rollers on our mice. Now we have to clean the papers off the buttons on our uh, uh, our Bluetooth mice and trackpads. That's funny. I'll say hi to everyone in the chat room at MattGeekGab.com slash chat, right? No, slash stream. I'm going to get it all wrong today. Now I'm going to have to make another uh, URL. Maybe it, maybe that one does exist, but it's MattGeekGab.com slash stream is where you would go to uh to join in the fun and chat with us and all the other listeners that join us for the stream but you don't have to that's the beauty that's what we recorded this just for you in a previous show john we were talking about um solutions for someone who wants to add an ssd to a 2011 imac or 
any iMac that has, or any Mac that you don't want to open up, you want to add an SSD to, it has Thunderbolt, but USB two. So there was a period of time where Apple was putting Thunderbolt in machines, but before they started putting USB three in them. And if you want to do an external Thunderbolt drive or an external SSD drive, uh, doing it over USB two will get you some of the advantages in terms of latency, but certainly not all of the speed advantages that USB three uh, or Thunderbolt would provide. In that show, I made a recommendation that uh, if you just got a Thunderbolt dock, you could then do a USB three drive. Uh, I was 100% wrong on that, and I have tested it and proven myself wrong. So I want to go back through USB three USB drives connected to a Thunderbolt dock, any Thunderbolt dock that I've tested. That includes the little connects one that I mentioned in that show and also the Elgato one uh, will not show up as boot devices uh, on a Mac. And I've tried this with a couple of different Macs as well. And, and uh, listener Mark actually was quite instrumental in, in helping me down this path. So the following scenario. So that scenario will not boot Thunderbolt dock passed through to a USB drive, either USB two or three. It doesn't matter. Will not show up as a boot option. And therefore you can't boot from it. However, the following are bootable options. Thunderbolt direct connect. So if you have a Thunderbolt drive or a Thunderbolt enclosure, I should say uh, that will work and, and it works great. If you have a Thunderbolt dock and you have a Thunderbolt drive plugged in to that dock, most most docks provide pass through for Thunderbolt that will also boot. So Thunderbolt dock pass through to a Thunderbolt drive does work. If you have a USB drive, either USB two or three directly connected to your Mac, of course, that will boot as well. It's just the Thunderbolt pass through to USB three does not work. So. Unfortunately, to do this the right way, you've got to get a Thunderbolt drive or, or Thunderbolt enclosure and put a drive in that. Um, I really like the uh, the Lassie rugged drives. They're they're uh, they're some of my favorite enclosures that have come about. But uh, Buffalo and Transcend also make great. Um, the Buffalo drive station is a great Thunderbolt. <clears throat> wow, Thunderbolt enclosure, and uh, Transcend has a unit. Uh, it's about 200, 200 bucks too. Uh, the big problem with Thunderbolt is the cable. The connectors are expensive. There's a licensing fee and, and actually just some engineering involved. So you're going to pay a little bit more to, to go the Thunderbolt route. But just wanted to get that clarified there. You Have you messed with Thunderbolt at all, John? Dave, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I just recently dipped my toe in the water. So I, I have, I just received something before uh, uh, yesterday that I plug into my Thunderbolt port and it works great. Is it like a little light bulb? No. Oh. Well, what I got, Dave, so, um, and, and it was actually good that I got it. So you, we had, uh, I think in, in some post-show chat, we were talking about DisplayPort versus Thunderbolt versus all of that stuff. And um, so I decided to poke around and, and see if I could get a uh, uh, Thunderbolt slash DisplayPort to HDMI adapter. Sure. So I could take what's on my MacBook Pro and, and you know, put it into my... Uh, on my HDTV or my, uh, you know, tuner. And so hopped on and, and I received one, Dave, and it's, it, it's pretty good. It does exactly what it should. So, so I, you know, hopped on Amazon like anybody. And so I did a search and the first thing that came up is a Amazon branded. Apparently they have a Amazon basics line of yep. things. Yep. Nine ninety nine. <laughs> now this is a, explain what, what do they call this unit so that we can, so it's called can the Amazon it. and I'll, I'll put a link. Uh, okay. the, yeah. Amazon basics, mini display port 
paren Thunderbolt close paren to HDMI adapter. Got and it. it does exactly what it should. Yep. Plugged it in my machine, plugged in, you know, plugged it in my tuner. It's interesting because it doesn't show my TV as the device that's connected. It actually says Sony blah, 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 which is the brand of my, uh, you know, my, my switch. Sure. If you will, my HDMI uh, or media uh, tuner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it works great. You know, computer came up, saw the display, had a little slider for overscan because yep. um, that's a problem sometimes with uh HDMI is that the picture is bigger than your, your TV. And uh, it was good because I actually had missed the show. I'm actually going to shake my, I don't know why this happened, but Friday night, my TiVo like went into stupid mode. It, it okay. was said it was recording shows and I had like two or three shows queued up and then I started to watch them and there was no video and I'm like, well, what's wrong? And so I checked live TV and there was, and there was no live TV. I'm like, what the heck? So I, you know, like uh, to solve almost any problem, the, the, what I did is restarted the TiVo and then all of a sudden it got back in sync with my channels, but I missed my shows. Now, two of the shows were shown later on in the day, but one of the shows was not available again, uh, unless I wanted to pay for it, which I didn't. So, um, but, but they did, it's an NBC show and actually they allow you to stream it on the, uh, on the web a day after they, you know, show sure. it on the, on the network. Sure. And it worked great, you know, hooked up the machine, you know, played the video, uh, went full screen, uh, dragged it over to the, uh, you know, that, that screen and, but no, neat little thing, nine ninety nine. you know, it does exactly what, what it needs to. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and so that's, that's mini display port to HDMI. That's not Thunderbolt, which it's, I mean, which is a minor distinction because it uses the same port on your Mac. Yeah, at first, at first I thought it was the wrong thing because I tried to plug it in and it didn't plug it in because nope. it's keyed. I'm like, oh, the got to go the right way. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But no, it was nice because I, I've um, I've played stuff using AirPlay and and AirPlay is is pretty good. Every now and then I'll get a, a stutter sometimes or maybe some pixelization. I, I don't know if it's my bandwidth or mm. or just AirPlay. Um, AirPlay is usually good enough, but HDMI is is better, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's less less lag and, and yeah, yeah, much better. Yeah, so I chose the video, and then the only thing I had to do was go to audio and then choose uh, HDMI. You know, a new choice now appears, you know, for, uh, for my audio output, and then everything was great. That's awesome. Speaking of speeds, John, uh, if you want to check your speeds and you don't want to run Flash, which is what speed test typically uses... Uh, you can go to, as Juan recommends, speedof.me and uh, and check your speed in an HTML5 thing. I've tested it here and it doesn't it, it seems that for me, speed of me does not have enough bandwidth to actually test my Internet connection. But um, but perhaps it does for you. Uh, Juan said it it has plenty for him and he's got over 100 megabits as well. So. Um, but certainly another speed test option, which we like. That's good. Speaking of speed tests, John, you did some testing this week. Well, yeah. So I found a couple of tools here because I was getting curious about the, uh, the nature of the, uh, GPU in, in the, uh, in my MacBook pro, as, right. as most know, uh, many of the latest MacBook pros have two GPUs. Um, and I'll talk about a tool that deals with that in a moment, but say you want to, um, test out your GPU just to see how, uh, you know, how it performs. 
Well, I found a really neat, um, it's called both a stress test and a benchmark. You can actually submit the benchmarks to a database, oh, uh, nice. but it's also a stress test and that it, it really beats on your GPU. Um, we've had more than one per, you know, we talked about this. Some Macs have GPU issues. Well, how do you stress your GPU? Well, you get something like this. <laughs> And it'll basically, you know, uh, max it out and, uh, you know, get it all heated up and, uh, you know, test it out thoroughly. So if you do have a GPU, uh, if you suspect you have a GPU issue, getting a program like this is uh, is probably uh, the best way to go. It's a GPU test from geeks3d.com. You got to be careful on the download page. They uh, they have uh, be careful what button you press uh, because they they have some. uh, wacky ads and stuff. So just be careful when you go through this, but it runs a whole bunch of benchmarks and uh, you know, if if you, if you want to, and you want to see what your GPU can do, it does some really nice, you know, interesting textured and rotational kind of things. And uh, you can get it for windows for Linux. And of course for OS 10, I got to check uh, that out. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you do the uh, benchmark, you know, it'll show frames per second and you know, some other uh, 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 metric, um, it was interesting because, you know, I tried it on my uh, Mac mini here, which, uh, you know, the 2010 Mac mini has the, uh, I think the integrated, uh, let me see. Uh, you can actually usually find out what GPU or graphics you're running. Uh, I use iStat menus and it actually show you um, in the uh, one of the lists here. So actually this has the NVIDIA GeForce 320M, which is a, I think most recognize as a pretty wimpy <laughs> GPU. And when I was stress testing or, or running a benchmark, it was coming like, you know, a single digit frames oh, per wow. second. It does okay for some older games, but actually some newer games, they actually say, sorry, Charlie, this, you know, that it's not going to cut it. Sure. <clears throat> I should upgrade this thing. What am I going to do with it though? I mean, it's still a pretty good machine. Um, turn I it could into get a couple of hundred. I could get a couple hundred bucks for it. Maybe that's true. Know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, you got another one for us, John? Um, well, I might as well mention that uh, second one here. So um, if you do want to have fun with your GPU on your MacBook Pro, and this only runs on the MacBook Pro, um, because that uh, I'm not sure if some of the other systems have dual GPUs, Dave, other than the MacBook Pro. Do you, do you know that? Do iMacs or any other... Uh, not sure. Um, uh, I think it's just the portables because the integrated one uses less, um, uses less, uh, uh battery power. I, I think, I think that that's the only one that's got right. the, the dual. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. No, wait, I'm uh, getting out of order here. Well, we'll, uh, Another thing that I found, Dave, that's kind of cool. Um, I didn't see it in our show notes here. Maybe I mentioned it in passing, but I, I thought it was something neat. So I started looking at some of my iOS apps that uh, you know I use on a, on a pretty frequent basis. And here's a really neat one. Um, if you want to find out what's happening in your area. Um, so Instagram is, is a tool that a lot of people use to share their photos. Uh, I do. I think you do, Dave. I think yeah. a, a lot of people do. Mostly to take pictures of food, but also uh, <laughs> just if you happen to be uh, out and about and want people to see what you're, uh, you know, what's up. Um, there's an app called InstaLook app. Well, it's called InstaLook and you can find information on it at InstaLook app and download it. The cool part about it is that it'll let you look at photos based on location. So if you want to see what's happening in your neighborhood, so if people choose to geotag their photos, whether it's with uh, 
you know, embedded GPS, uh, embedded coordinates, or they tag it saying, I'm at this place here. It'll show you the photos that are tagged as such in your general area. And you can even move the little map around and, uh, and uh, click on different areas near you. It's like, you know, I have, you know, a couple of colleges near me. So, you know, if I, you know, see them tagged there, you know, you can click on that and see all the shenanigans going on at your local, uh, you know, uh, institution of higher learning. <laughs> I thought it's pretty neat. It's, a, it's cool. a neat way. Um, just a neat way to, again, see stuff that's relevant in your, uh, in your, or irrelevant in your neighborhood. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, the, actually there's, there's, there's some more I want to talk to you about when it comes to photos, John, because I believe you've checked out the new photos app, but first I want to talk about gazelle at gazelle.com. They are our first sponsor for this show. And the folks at Gazelle have a fantastic business model. You know, I, I love anything that sets out and succeeds uh, at saving me a headache because like you just mentioned, John, you know, you might want to sell your, one of your computers. Well, if that computer is either a laptop or an iOS device, uh, you know, an iPad, an iPhone, that sort of thing. Gazelle will take the headache off of your hands. What you do is you go to gazelle.com. You can go on the very device that you're going to want to sell to them. And you tell them what you have, what condition it's in, some of the specs, how much RAM it's got, you know, how much storage it has, if it's a, a, you know, an iPhone, uh, and what carrier it is and if it's unlocked or if it's still locked, they'll take it either way. Um, and then once you give them all these parameters and what condition it's in, and then they don't make you get crazy. It's just three different things. It's like, you know, bad, okay. And fantastic. Right. I think is, is basically all it is. And, uh, and then they'll give you a price and they'll say, all right, based on everything you just said, we'll pay you X. If you like the number that you see you then at that point, create an account with them and creating an account is nothing more than giving them your email address and your physical address, because the next thing that happens is they mail you a box at their cost. You get the box, you put the computer or the uh, iPhone or whatever it is in it uh, and ship it back to them again at their cost. The return shipping label is in the box that you get. When they get it, they confirm that you sent them what you said you were going to send them and they send you your money. That's it. That's all it takes. Uh, It takes me about 90 seconds to explain all of that probably won't take you 90 seconds to actually do all of that. It really works that simply. And you can get the money in a a variety of ways. They can send you a check. If you're into that, Uh, if you have a PayPal account, they will send you the the money via PayPal. You don't pay any fees. They cover that. Uh, If you are an Amazon customer, they will give you uh, 5% more as an Amazon gift card uh, because they've worked out a deal where that works out uh, to everyone's benefit. So uh, that's it. Gazelle.com. Now, if you're in the market for something and you're okay with having something that's used and uh, tested and then certified by Gazelle, go ahead uh, and check out Gazelle's um, used stuff. They, they have a a pre-certified. I mean, this stuff is in great shape. They stand behind it. And, uh, and it's stuff, you know, that they've, they've brought in and felt, wow, this is in really good condition instead of, you know, selling this, uh, via our resellers or what have you, we can go and recyclers, we can just, you know, turn this around and put it back into somebody's hands. And that's what they do. And, and, uh, and save you quite a bit of money in the process. So check it all out. Gazelle.com. They're great people. And, uh, we've had, uh, fantastic stories from you about their, their stellar customer service. I love it. So 
check it all out. Gazelle.com. And make sure when you're going through that checkout process, they'll ask you where you heard about it. Please do make sure to tell them uh, Mac Geek Gab. They have us in a little drop down there. So it makes it easy for you. you just choose Mac Geek Gab. And that way they know that uh, that what they're doing with us here works for them and for you. And of course, for us. So check it out. Gazelle.com. Wow. And with- yeah, it is easy, Dave. While you were talking, yeah. I, I actually got a quote on my Mac Mini here. So I'll have to. Uh, They'll take that. a Mac Mini. I was wondering about that. I didn't. I wasn't entirely sure. That's outstanding. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, they. they yeah. So it, it's pretty straightforward. You uh, you have to know how to uh, get the specs on the Mac. So it started off sure. and it said, what processor do you have? And I said 2.4 gig. And then based on that, it kind of drills down and it kind of gets a better idea of specifically what machine you had. And eventually it said, oh, well, you have a Mac Mini Core 2 Duo 2.4 gigahertz 2010. And I'm like, well, yes, I do. That's awesome. So, um so yeah, I, sp- so I spent more work. time explaining it than you did actually getting a, a quote. So re- in real time, folks, here we are for you. So yeah, check them out. Gazelle.com. And as I said, let them know we sent you. All right. Uh, but John, you have uh, Apple this week pushed out the uh, a beta, a very beta version of their new replacement, if you will, for iPhoto and aperture uh, called photos. And you, uh, wisely made a copy of your photo library and then took it for a spin inside the new photos app. I'm curious uh, what your very initial sort of brief thoughts. I, I, and I say initially brief cause I, you and I talked about this and you haven't gone all that deep with it, but I'd love to hear about as deep as you've gone. Um, so the first thing, yeah. So what I did, uh, so I went to the developer site, you know, for 99 bucks, you can be part of the developer program and something different happened this time around where a lot of times when you download an OS from the, uh, from the developer site, it just downloads a disc image. This did something different and that it said, okay, here's the special program I want you to download. And then it goes to the app store and then it, it downloads the, uh, develop what they call the developer seed onto sure. the drive. So what I did is did a carbon copy cloner of the drive in my MacBook pro to an external drive and then ran that program on that because I do not, you know, and people, uh, I still see people in my, my stream asking, you know, should I install a developer seed on my day-to-day machine? And I'm like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> what I do on my laptop when I'm traveling at WWDC. And I do not recommend it for anyone, but, uh, but it is, you know, fun living on the edge. So, yeah, but I wanted to do this because, uh, you know, the word got out, you know, I don't think it's a secret that, you know, photos is in the latest developer seed and, uh, so I decided to check it out. My, my initial impression is that, I don't know. I mean, give them time. But, so I started it up. I have like over a hundred gigs of, uh, in an aperture library, but you know, I started it up and it set up. I see you have an aperture library and an iPhoto library. You want to, uh, you want to import those or, or massage those. Cause I don't think it disables the functionality with aperture. You can still use aperture, but it makes it so that photos can understand it. And then from that point, I guess the only initial fish shake is, not so much the features, but so I get into it and all of a sudden you're looking at a screen and you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> kind of like iTunes and this, this kind of aggravates me. They hid the sidebar. So like I'm starting off and I'm like, well, what do I do? It showed me a, a context that I didn't understand. It was like all my photos. And I'm like, well, I don't want to see stuff like that. Or I don't want to see that. I want to see my projects listed. And now they're called albums. And once I found the choice saying, show me the sidebar, then it all became clear. And it's like, oh, okay. And then I started looking at the photos and no, it does not have, it's interesting because it's selectively. And again, this is kind of Apple style with, or, or what they've been doing as of late is that 
a lot of people were saying, well, it doesn't support this feature anymore. The thing is, it can, but but they, they leave a lot of stuff hidden. I think they're really trying to simplify the interface in that they're not showing you a lot of things that you may not need to know, which like Aperture can and will do. Um, they kind of make you intentionally enable it. For example, like a location. Uh, the default behavior was if you click on a photo, it doesn't show you the location. But if you want to show that, then you can, if you can dig in and find the option, fine. Um, the, the number of things that you can do is not as rich as Aperture. I mean, there, a lot of them are there, you know, and I actually did a comparison side by side. I'll have to do a more detailed comparison. But, you know, basic tools for doing like kind of global changes you know to exposure and the sharpness and the color and the, you know, the things like that are there but some of the more sophisticated tools are not yet there now whether they will be who knows um so i don't know uh, i mean you know it's a and it's a beta i mean they, they right. may be adding features based on feedback um it did crash when i exited it more than once so it's definitely not ready for prime time sure <laughs> sure yeah, yeah, yeah but it's developer preview um but, you know, once once I dug in and learned how to display the data in the format that I'm used to, then I was pretty OK with it. Cool. Cool. So so we'll see. It's um, uh, but yeah, if the feature set is as it, you know, fixed and they're not going to add any more, then, yeah, I would say it's not an aperture replacement. Well, it could be. I don't know. I'll have to try it out because, you know, I, I'd never really used a lot of the more advanced features like one you know one group of people said brushes it doesn't have brushes okay i i never really used brushes sure i'm more i i would apply global adjustments to my photos i really wouldn't get you know down and dirty so uh so for me it may be uh you know the reason i, I more moved to aperture was just that iphoto kind of has problems dealing with larger libraries and maybe photos gets around that we'll see yeah yeah yeah, I'm curious. I, I have not tested it yet, but I'm I'm very interested in seeing how um you know how how it works out. I I um the thing that's curious for me is what's gonna happen with iCloud photo library, especially with somebody like you, right? That's got you know, gobs and gobs of photos. how is this gonna how is this gonna work? I I fear be based on their history. I don't have faith that Apple will has done this part of the cloud right uh, because they've never done cloud storage right. CalDAV is fine. Uh, they, their IMAP stuff is fine. You know that that the CardDAV stuff is fine. So that sort of syncing uh, is is pretty pretty robust. But in terms of files and and photos, their history is either non-existent or horrible. So um, I'm I'm curious to see uh, and it's it's tepid curiosity i think is probably the right term yeah and you know that that that's a part really honestly doesn't concern me my primary use of aperture or similar things is to deal with my or, or i'll offload my photos from whatever camera whether it be an iphone camera and i'll create i'm really not concerned about that part i mean aperture still uh though consumes my you know, the contents of my photo stream. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and that's fine for, for and actually that, that was the other kind of neat thing I think I mentioned to you, but OneDrive does that too. It actually consumes my camera roll and, and syncs it to the, uh, the OneDrive. So I have now a backup <laughs> of uh, iCloud photo 
or what, what iCloud Photo Library does as well, is that, you know, the OneDrive is syncing my photos, as does most of the other services, right? Dropbox can do that for you. Actually, Dropbox does that for me. Right, yes. right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's see if we can let's see if we can motor through a few of these here quickly, John, because it is a cool stuff found show. So motor. Uh, there is an app that came out called Phone Expander, and its primary it does a couple of things, but its primary goal is to free up storage on your iPhone. You plug it in, you tether it to your Mac via USB, and uh, and it frees up stuff. Specifically, a lot of those things that wind up in temp storage in other there on your iPhone. So we've talked about this uh, in, in many ways in uh, in the past, or at least tried to deal with it in in shows that are more, you know, question focused. And so hopefully phone expander can, uh, can do that for some, I have yet to really have a scenario where it makes sense to test it, but, uh, but I look forward to doing so. John, I, uh, I use, you mentioned Google docs earlier and we use Google docs here for a lot of things for Mac geek gab. And, uh, and I happened the other day while I was putting together our agenda, I hit command question mark while I was in Google docs and up came a list of all the keyboard shortcuts for, uh, for that Google, uh, for that Google document that I was in, you know, command B is for bold command I for italics. And then, but there's lots and lots and lots. You can copy formatting and paste formatting and. Um, all kinds of stuff. So it's worth hitting that command question mark in all your different Google docs as you, uh, as you go through, because I think that's, uh, it's fascinating how that, that works. It always blows me away. And I know I shouldn't be blown away by this because JavaScript is a, is a cool and powerful thing. But when the command key works in a web browser window, like that browser window is it's whatever's running in that browser window is its own app. I always, I always kind of dig that. So that's good. McKay has a question or Perhaps a, a request. Hi, John and Dave. If you have too many Apple products, then it's good for you. I think it can be said that you have an orchard. So next time you visit a friend and see an iPad on his couch, an iPhone in his hand, and a MacBook on his desk, say that he is growing an orchard. I look forward to your thoughts on this. Over and out. Sure. I like it. It's funny. Cute. I'm sure we'll use that, John. What do you think? How's your orchard doing over there? Uh, how, how about a peck? Can we call it a peck? Peck. Oh yeah, right. Because that's with the apples that you've picked in your ancient, your, yeah, ancient unit of measure, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. That's good. Hey, yeah, orchard is good too. We've been fans of of Alfred for a while. The uh, the app on OS 10 that lets you do all kinds of uh, automated things. And uh, and it's worth noting that Alfred Remote for iOS uh, is out now. Uh, and what Alfred Remote lets you do is trigger things on your Mac workflows, snippets, whatever it is that you've got Alfred configured to do. You can have your I, uh, iOS device trigger those things so that you have sort of a control center for your Mac. I'm, I'm thinking about ways of using this during the show because uh, one of the reasons we use an outboard mixer is because I don't want to have to dig through four windows to do something right. You know, I always want to be able to, if, like if I need to get softer or louder, I can just, you know, I can do that and make myself softer. Obviously that's not a good thing uh, at this point in time, but it's nice to know that that button is always in front of me. Uh, I feel like maybe this Alfred remote could, could take care of some things like maybe playing the theme music at the end. So I don't have to dig through and, and all that stuff. So we will put 
a link to that in the show notes too. Are you an Alfred user, John? No. Okay. I should be. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to use it more. Maybe, maybe this Alfred remote thing will, uh, will take care of it for us. Uh, Dave, speaking of remote yeah. and iOS. Yeah. I found this out and I don't, I don't know if we mentioned it, but I just thought I'd mention it here. Sure. And I, I remembered my reminder to remind myself to talk about this, but um. QuickTime Player, I did not know it had this capability, and I'm not sure how I stumbled across this, but as we mentioned, QuickTime Player you know, is a great utility for, well, recording what's happening on your screen, or at least it's free, you know, and it does very basic. But I didn't know this, Dave. If you have an iOS device plugged in, it has to be plugged in, that's okay. the only key here, um, and you go to screen recording, and then there's a little pull-down, you're going to see an additional option. You're going to see your iOS device as an option. Really? <laughs> and you can make a movie of what you're doing on your iOS device. How did I not know this? this I, I don't know how I didn't know it either. It, did, it didn't make, uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense in that you, you need the bandwidth of a wired connection to be able to do this. So it, it doesn't show up as an option. Yeah, you don't want to have um, to compress it and make the iOS device do the work of sending it over AirPlay or something. That that can get really weird. I've done that with like Reflector and things like that. And it's it, imperfect is, is a great word to use for that. So yeah, it makes sense to tether it. But wow. Yeah, so if you're having an iOS issue or you just want to uh, demonstrate what you're doing on your iOS device to someone else, um, you know, break out QuickTime Player, plug your iOS device in, and it should show up as a uh, as a source in the, uh, I'm pretty sure it's screen recording. Is it screen recording or movie recording? I'm pretty sure it's screen recording. Okay. Wow, that's pretty it cool, is. man. Yeah, oh. no, it is screen recording. Okay. Dude, nice find. I, I, and I know we're going to have a billion people tell us, dude, that's existed for a year or, or more. But uh, that's the beauty new, of these cool stuff found shows. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It, and, you know, a, a lot of a lot of what we do is is sort of offhandedly mentioning things. And we'll get comments from you folks like, dude, you said that thing. It took like two seconds and it changed my world. And so that this is one of those things changed my world. Uh, Leon has a great uh, Leon actually has quite a few. But Leon on our Google plus group hipped us to a new service and app called be my eyes. And, uh, what it, 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 you, you download this app, it's free. And when you launch it, you indicate whether you are a person with sight or without sight. And what it's, what it, uh, what the service does is it's meant to help people that, that lack the ability to see blind people. Uh, and what you do is uh, you sign up and you say, yeah, I'm willing to help. And then at some point in time, you might get a little push notification on your phone that says, hey, somebody needs help. And it could just be someone in a grocery store that needs a label uh, read to them or might be someone, you know, somewhere in a public place that needs a sign read to them or something where the ability to see would be a very, very helpful thing in their world. And using the, the camera on their phone, they send you the uh, you know, you get to see what they see and you have a voice conversation. You read to them whatever they need read and then off you go without your day. So uh, it's called Be My Eyes. And uh, and I think it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool idea. I have I have had it installed for a couple of weeks now and have not um, have not uh, uh, had anything come through. But uh, but, you know, hey, uh, I'm happy to help if I can. And I thought I thought you folks might be, too. Had you heard of this, John? 
No, no, that's that's a neat application. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Hey, um, I want to talk about our second sponsor here, John. And our second sponsor is Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. That's the first way you let them know that we sent you there. Now, Squarespace, uh, they are, they are their whole goal. Again, you know, this, this whole concept of taking your headaches away. If you have something that you want to put on the web, Squarespace is the way to do this, right? Because they take the headaches away and just let you do whatever it is you want to do and put it on the web as quickly uh, as you would like to do that. And pretty cheap too. It starts at eight bucks a month, right? So uh, you go to squarespace.com, you pick a template. They've already created templates. You can put your own pictures in, but you don't have to. They've got pictures out there that you can use, or you can use the stock ones in the template, or maybe you use a template without pictures. That's okay too, right? And, uh, and so you, you choose your, uh, your, your template and that's it. You put your content in whatever your content is. If you want to build a blog, you choose a template for, for a blog site. If you want to put a storefront up fine, if you just want to have like a one pager that explains something that you're doing and maybe a form for people to sign up with, they do that too. They'll link with, with like MailChimp and that sort of stuff so that you can just collect, collect, uh, information and maybe send out a mailing list. It, this stuff is super, super simple and it's beautiful. It's organized. All these templates are built for, uh, to work on any platform. They're responsive in design, which means that the same URL for everyone you, you it looks good. It looks appropriate on your iPhone for an iPhone screen. It looks appropriate on your iPad for an iPad screen. And of course on your Mac or any desktop computer for that matter, it looks appropriate there too. These designs just work. Um, it really, really good stuff. Again, if you want to build a storefront, they've got, uh, uh, the whole ability to build a shopping cart and even links to e-commerce engine. You can get that totally set up. I, I set up a storefront for us for a, 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 a band concert event that we put on and it took me less than an hour to put it all together. Uh, including getting set up with the merchant account and all that good stuff. Uh, you don't need a credit card to, uh, to start your trial. You get a 14 day free trial. So just go to squarespace.com slash MGG and start. Now here's the deal. Once you are ready to pay, you will need your credit card, but you're also going to need a coupon code of MGG. You get 10% off your first purchase when you use coupon code MGG. So uh, that takes that eight bucks a month and drops it down even further. Great stuff that they've got going on here with uh, with Squarespace. And I really, really think you're going to love what they're uh, what they're able to make you do. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Squarespace.com slash MGG. And uh, and that's where we're at. Uh, I've got my own personal blog there with with Squarespace and uh, and it makes it so easy. Uh, I've got a, the page for the band fling that I'm in flingrocks.com is there at Squarespace. Again, it just makes it easy and uh, it's good stuff. So check it out. Squarespace.com. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Squarespace.com slash MGG and MGG is your coupon code for 10% off. John, I want to go through a couple of things quickly here that you and I have mentioned before in the show, but, uh, but I think we're, we have some, some new light to bring to them for lack of a better term. Um, Don Melton is a guy on, uh, that used to work at Apple 
he was the one that I believe, and I might get this wrong and then Don will tell me I got it wrong. Uh, but I believe he was the guy that led the team that built Safari and WebKit and all of that good stuff. So he's got some cred to his name. He's a movie uh, fanatic as well, and he enjoys keeping his own personal movie collection DRM free, which means he buys Blu-ray discs uh, and then rips them to his computer and then stores the disc away, but keeps the movie on his drives. He used his handbrake uh, like a lot of us do, but he got kind of sick and tired of handbrakes presets, not quite doing the level of quality versus compression that we've all come to love from Apple's, uh, um, uh, you know, algorithms. But when you buy a movie from the iTunes or yeah, from the iTunes store, you get a really high quality 1080p movie and the size is not overly burdensome. Handbrake, even if you choose like the Apple TV three preset, the size can get pretty unwieldy sometimes. So Don went through and figured out all the different little tips and tricks that you needed to do with handbrake. And he built a series of scripts so much so that uh, you need to be comfortable with the command line to do this, but you don't need to be that comfortable with it. You will even going through the process of getting set up with Don's scripts, you will probably uh, get yourself to the point where you're pretty comfortable with the command line. And so really, once you get these scripts installed, Don's uh, Don's scripts make it such that all you have to do is um, go to the command line, go to the folder where your movie is and type transcode transcode dash video dot sh and uh, and the name of the, you know, the file name of the movie. And then it takes care of it. It analyzes it. It decides which algorithm is going to be best to use based on the size of your movie. And off you go. Um, so we'll put a link in the show notes to Don's GitHub repository where you can you can download the scripts. There are instructions there on on how to get everything set up. The best way to do it is to use something else uh, that we've mentioned is cool stuff found called Homebrew. Uh, homebrew is a package manager for OS 10 where you can install. It's probably the most popular one uh, for OS 10. It's certainly a very robust one. Very easy to install homebrew too. you go to uh, brew.sh and there's literally one line that you copy and paste into the terminal that installs all of the, the, the homebrew package manager. And then from there you do things like if you need to install, uh, you know, uh, something from, from homebrew, you know, you need this MKV tool Nix for, uh, for Don scripts. You just type in the command line, brew space, install space, MKV tool Nix. And boom, there it is. That, that goes and downloads it and, and puts it in the right places. Uh, but we'll put, we'll put the uh, link to Don scripts out there. I've been using them and, uh, and I don't know why I got out of the habit of using them, but uh, but I've been using them again and they they work fantastic. Don's a smart guy. He's updating them and tweaking them constantly. He's available as at Don Melton on Twitter if you uh, if you want to. And he's happy to engage with anyone. He's really, really good guy and very accessible guy and um, really puts a lot of time into this. So uh, so, I you know, the best thing I can do is just tell you to use the scripts and enjoy them. So have you used uh, you, you don't use brew yet either. Or do you have brew installed for, for something else, John? No, I use a different package manager and I can't find that particular program here, but Dave, I've been using for a while that I've heard of brew, but the one that I use, Dave, um, well, two pieces. So there's one called think. Yeah. Another yeah. environment that people use. But the reason that I like it is because there is a GUI that you can put on top of it called think commander. Nice. Get a bit, 
nicer to uh, deal with. And I'm looking here now, it's showing me through Fin Commander that right now they have about 10,084 packages that you can choose from. But nice. that's not one of them. The uh, MK, I searched for MK and I can't find it in the list here. But oh, it interesting. Has, yeah, I wonder why that is. Uh, I don't know if I need to uh, pull it from another spot or make a request or what. Yeah. Um, yeah, like GIMP and, and other tools. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, com- I've compiled those. Uh, yeah, it still, still does what I need. It's not the, not the new kid on the block. Uh, well, maybe I'll look at... I don't know if I want to have multiple package managers. No, it's easy, right? Just from the brew, right? Oh, it's cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it literally is one line you type in. It's at the bottom of the brew.sh page. It's it's right underneath where it says install homebrew, and it starts with the word Ruby, and you just copy this and paste it in. You've got to put in your OS ten password when you do this because it's going to put some stuff in, in places. But I can tell you, I've done this on every Mac I have, and, and what they're oh, doing okay. is safe. And Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you know, listen— it's not every day I'm going to tell you to go to a website, highlight something they have there and just blind faith, trust it, post, paste it in the terminal and go, right? <laughs> Give it your password and let it have full access to your system. But, uh, but on this one, I do it on mine. So I'm, I'm okay with you doing it on yours. So, mm-hmm. and, and by you, I mean, of course you, John, but I mean, all of you. So, Hey, you want to, you started talking about this before you want to take us to uh, your, your cool stuff brown reprise here, John. Yes, yeah, so uh, I found another little uh, GPU goodie here. So I noticed, uh, again, that the MacBook Pro has two different GPUs. And, you know, the terminology gets kind of confusing, Dave. So they call one discrete and one integrated. Okay. And based on the way, based on the wording, most people would have no clue as to which one is, why are there two and which one's better and and what's the deal sure and i wanted to find that out so i actually found a tool so so one tool that you can use to switch between them so so the strategy is that um the machine will use the, here's the difference the integrated gpu um is not as powerful but it's more uh power friendly okay and yeah. the discrete GPU is the one that's a separate. So, so sure. integrated is one that's part of, I don't know if it's necessarily part of the Intel processor, but I think it's uh, it's also made by Intel, or at least the machine that I have. It's an Intel. It's uh, bundled with the CPU, I believe. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's what it integrated means. And the thing is that they're in general more energy efficient. The, how do I know this? Because the thing is, it's interesting, Dave. So if you go to energy saver and on this machine, you'll see on the top, of the uh, screen, you'll see a choice here that I didn't see on my other machines, but it says, Hey, graphics, you want better battery life or higher performance? Well, usually I want better battery life. I'm sure the GPU stinks. And the thing is right now, so for example, this machine here using iStat menus, it says, Oh, well you're using the Intel HD graphics 4,000. If I change the higher performance, then it's going to switch it to the other one, which in this case, well, wouldn't it be nice if there was a tool that would let you look at the different ones and let you switch um, rather than using energy saver to sure. switch to whichever one you have here? Well, I found a little little ditty here called um, GFX card status. And that's uh, that's its purpose in life. It's to tell you it's it will tell you which GPU you're running, but also let you manually select which one you would like to use if you think you know better. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. That's just an interesting tool. And actually, I want to run the benchmark um, 
to see uh, how measurable the uh, the performance is um, between the two here. So you can use the benchmark program that I mentioned earlier and see which is which. And and I believe also it's, it's interesting. If you go to Activity Monitor, it will actually show you. I'm trying to recall. I think in the Energy Saver, in the Energy section here, I think you can, there actually is, yes, there is a graphics card entry. Um, and it's funny because right now I'm looking at all of the apps here that are listed. So again, if you go to the energy tab, there is an optional thing saying requires high performance graphics. Now, right now, none of my programs indicate that, yes, they require it, right. but programs can do so. Um, so. So if there is a choice to be made, a program can switch to the uh, more uh, efficient or, or more powerful uh, GPU. Sure. Oh, cool. All right. Sure. Uh, you know, Jason Hooper, uh, Jason Hooper 99 actually on Twitter, uh, is always helpful, uh, with, when it comes to prepping for these cool stuff found shows, he's constantly pouring stuff at us. So he's a good guy to follow, uh, actually, but, uh, but he recommended two. one was a, in terms of the ability to convert files, uh, um, which can be really handy if you've got some old files in a format that you no longer have an app available to read. And John, you might find yourself in this boat. If you've got some word, some file that's only openable by word and now you don't have word. Um, the, the old one that we mentioned, I believe in the very first cool stuff found show was called Zamzar at Zamzar.com. Uh, and now there is uh, a new one that Jason found called cloud convert which seems quite similar to Zamzar and I would, I would bookmark both of them uh, just to have them there for when you need those files, because it's a, it's a handy little thing. So check it out. Yeah. Zamzar at Zamzar.com and cloud convert at cloudconvert.com. Good stuff. John, you know, when we do this show, I, um, I, well, in the beginning, we have an agenda. It may not seem like that every week, but we do have an agenda. And it used to be that I would print out the agenda and uh, and then scratch off items on the agenda. And then that way I'd have a record of what we did so that, you know, tomorrow when I get to my desk, I can go through, uh, delete the things that we've already talked about. Maybe queue up, you know, we can make a decision about the things that we haven't. Is it something that we're going to talk about or no, you know, that really isn't going to make it for the show. And then, you know, but it's good to know because tomorrow I will not going through, especially a list like we've gone through today. There's no way I'll remember everything. And, uh, and so I do, I scratch it off uh, a number of years ago. I did away with using paper. I went paperless and I use an app on my iPad um, called uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. I can never note taker HD by, uh, by Dan Bricklin, who uh, was one of the creators of VisiCalc, the first killer app, I think back in the day. Um, but anyway, uh, I've tried all kinds of styluses with, with uh, this on my iPad and on, on my, on my larger iPad, uh, most, you know, I had crappy styluses that I would get for free or whatever, uh, you know, in, in like gimme bags at trade shows or whatever. And uh, and it would work fine. But as soon as I put like a, gra a glass shield protector on my iPad and especially on my iPad mini, uh, my ability to use the, you know, the little styluses with the foam on them or whatever totally stopped. It just got unreliable. And I, I've been using my finger for the last year and a half. Well, uh, recently, the uh, the folks at, at Adonis, 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 what? Oh, no, Adonis is, is me. That's me. Um, uh, right. uh, what's that? <laughs> Uh, Adonit.net um, 
got me the new Jot Pro and Jot Mini to test. And I tested the Jot Pro during last week's show. And I've been using, actually, I've been going back and forth between both because I put them down and then just pick it up. Uh, they are really high quality styluses. Now, I'm using them for a very simple purpose. I'm not drawing. I mean, I am drawing with it, but really, I'm just you know, scratching off things on a PDF and writing down timestamps of like when the ad serves so that I can tell the team when that happened and those sorts of things and any notes we might have. But, um, you know, these guys, they figured it out a long time ago that the, you know, the, the touch, you know, the way Apple has built the screen on this, it's for a finger. And what that means is you need a large, uh, a relatively large uh, area to be pushed down in order for it to register as a touch. Um, a, a, a pen or something fine point will not register as a touch reliably because it's simply built to ignore that stuff. However, uh, when you're writing, you do want to have a, you know, a point that you are uh, able to, to aim at. So what these folks did, and you've probably seen this, it looks like a pen, uh, and at the tip, it's got a little uh, little swivel and underneath the swivel is a clear piece of plastic. And that way, the iPad or iPhone gets the pressure that it wants in the size that it wants. But you as the user can really see what's going on. And I'll tell you, this pad is fantastic. It's way better than those cheap, um, uh, you know, uh, foamy ones that uh that that you get in the, the gimme bags this actually works it, it, it's changed my world so now i'm back to being able to use a pen and, and the jot pro and the jot mini are basically the same thing one is just smaller than the other so you can guess which one i'll keep here at the desk in the, the studio and then i'll throw another one in my travel bag so that i have it but um but it's got a little uh it's got a little screw cap that protects the uh the, the little swivel when it's not in use, which is handy, especially in the old travel bag. And it just screws on the back, so it actually makes it a little bit longer, which is nice. And uh they've got a cool integrated little kind of pocket clip in it too. So uh it's worth checking out. A D O N I T dot net for uh for these folks. So yeah, cool stuff found for Sure. I, I honestly didn't believe it would work. I thought it was something about the glass shield that I had on my iPad mini. And I thought, well, they'll send them to me and I'll say, yeah, thanks. But, you know, still not going to solve my problem. I was uh, happily proven wrong. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Adonis is the Greek god That's, of beauty and desire. I get that confused with me all the time, John, as I, you might understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good uh, stuff. Uh, uh huh. Um. Yeah, Scott on Facebook in our in our Facebook group hipped us to this thing at Amazon, uh, and my guess is you can find them elsewhere uh, too. Of course, uh, an Apple TV mount that sits on the back of your television. Um, it, it's built to clip into like the little fan vents on the back of your TV, and uh, it's like it's less than fifteen bucks, I think. And, uh, and they say that, uh, on most TVs, the, uh, infrared signal will get to this. Actually, they say in most rooms, the infrared signal will get to it, even though it's on the back of the TV, because the, the way they reflect off of, uh, you know, surfaces, they say, if you have vaulted ceilings that it might not work, but, uh, in general it does. And I, I've found that to be true with a lot of things. We bury a lot of our TV components and they work just fine. So, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's uh yeah 1350 at Amazon little Apple TV mount that is built just to clip into the uh 
into the, one of the fan vents on the back of your back of your TV, so it gets it out of the way. Pretty cool. You gonna check one of those out, John? Uh, I don't think so. No, yours, yours isn't. Mine's a, yeah, I got a TV cart. Yeah, you, you know where mine is. You, you've seen. Yeah. yeah, it's just sits on a shelf. Yeah, Seems right. To be pretty happy there. Right. What do you got, John? You got a couple for us here. You you found some. Uh, yeah. You found a no, couple. I got a couple. Yeah, go. So uh, after we had our GPS discussion, I, I decided to poke around here, and I found a really nice kind of basic uh, GPS app uh, for iOS, and it's called GPS Status, and it tells you everything you need to know. And I think uh, the question before is that yes, I guess the, uh, the iDevices have a GPS receiver, and so they use all this trickery in order to get um, accuracy, uh, better accuracy. Um, but this is. You know, this tells you everything you need to know. It um, it shows right now. So it shows your fix, which I guess is the quality of the signal, horizontal and vertical accuracy. It'll show your speed, which right now it's showing that I'm moving at zero miles per hour. My course, which I don't have a course right now, latitude, longitude, uh, the time and date, which, you know, is part of a GPS signal, I guess. And also it actually shows my street address. Actually, oh, nice. a few moments ago, it showed the address of the house next to me, but now it's showing... Uh, my street address. So, uh, yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I, I went through a whole bunch of them and some of them had, you know, irrelevant information and some were, were kind of clogged, but this, this looks to be a, a nice balance here. Um, so check it out. I have a link cool. to it. Yeah. Very cool. What else you find, John? Uh, you know, another thing I was going through my apps here and Dave, I've been mean, using this one app for ages and you may have heard it, you know, make noise every now and then in the background here. But I've been using something which, as far as I can tell, they haven't supported this in ages. And it's the it was a weather bug alert uh, menu bar thing for your for your Mac. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Because yeah. I like to know the weather. Sure. You know, like, like most people. Yeah. Um, and the weather bug thing, you know, did its job. But the thing is, it doesn't look like it's really supported anymore. If you try to search for other locations, it, it can't find it. So I think they abandoned it long ago. I mean, I looked at the date on it and it was like 2008. Oh, yeah. Okay. Point nine. And I'm like. Yeah, you know what? I, I I should get with it here, and um, I'm not sure why I had it on my machine, but it, you know, for for this episode, or a lot of times, I'll go through my downloads folder and my applications folder to see if there's anything that makes sense to talk about. Yeah, and um, so I had this one on my machine, and I thought, well, let me check it out here, and it's called a meteorologist, I guess, right? Yeah, and it's uh, their tagline is the weatherman without the man. And uh, it's basically a free app here. It'll it'll show you everything you need to know about the weather. It'll also show you alerts if you choose to do so. And actually, it did today because we have, a I guess, a winter storm warning for yeah. uh, tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it'll show you an icon in your menu bar if you want, showing the current conditions. You know, if you don't have the uh, <laughs> ability to look out the window or go out or get out of the basement. <laughs> So to show you the current conditions, it'll give you a forecast for the next three days, uh, shows all the important metrics of uh, what's happening, humidity and all that great stuff. Um, and it draws from multiple sources. In my case, it seems to always draw from uh, 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 weather.com, but I guess depending on your city or state, you may have different choices. So uh, yeah, seems pretty decent. Cool. Uh, so just to be fair, this app hasn't been updated in over two years, um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work, right? Um, yeah, December 2012, 2012 was the last time they released it, but, yeah. um, but that does, I mean, that's okay. That, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't look like there's any reason for them to, right. uh, 
Yeah. The weather bug thing was definitely broken and the parts of it did not function anymore because I think weather bug just abandoned the, sure. uh, and, and when I look for an update, they're like, well, we don't really make this anymore. We, uh, I think they make a, a weather bug desktop, but it's only for windows. It's not for Mac. Cause when okay. I downloaded it, it had an EXE at the end. And I'm like, what, what's up with that? Well, so. What's up with that? <laughs> Uh, there is uh, the folks in the chat room are suggesting an app called Weatherman, uh, ah, right. a, a, a perhaps more robust. I don't know. I haven't tested either one of them, but uh, from after 10 software, it's available. They've got a light version for free in the Mac app store and a 99 cent version um, for. Uh, well, that's going to be 99 cents is what that's going to be. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's right. See if I'm willing to pony up. All right. Um, yeah, I'll give that one a swirl. While swirl. we're on the subject of weather apps, I want to switch to iOS. Uh, I, I have found that a lot of development of weather apps, a lot of development of apps in general, comes from people in uh, non-snowy climates, right? And specifically, there's a lot of weather apps that have been developed by people in San Francisco which totally makes sense, right? I, I get it. And they design these really minimalist, beautiful things that are totally freaking useless to me in the winter. They're great in the summer, but useless in the winter. And, and I need in the winter, I need two things more than anything else. I need the narrative forecast. I don't need you to tell me, I don't want pretty pictures. I mean, the pictures are fine if I'm looking at a 10 day forecast, but I need to be able to tap on a day or get to the narrative forecast that comes from the National Weather Service, where it says something like for, you know, say tonight. Uh, let's look. So the forecast for tonight is uh, uh, periods of snow, three to five inches of snow expected. That number is actually re- that that text is really valuable to me. So I need the narrative forecast accessible from within the app in an easy way. And uh, I also really need and like the uh, radar. So that I can see that, right, the storm moving in, you know, wherever, wherever I live and I would say wherever you live, there's patterns, right? And you learn, okay, well, when the storm comes this way, I know what they're going to predict, but see where it's like this storm that's coming in. It says three to five inches, but what I'm seeing is a storm that's far more north than, uh, than what I would normally expect to see dump snow on us. Now, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Uh, or right. Uh, it just means that I know what to expect from what I've seen. Or if I see something coming up the coast, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to get hammered, you know? Okay, great. Um, so I, those are the two things I need. I have been using an app on both my iPhone and uh, on the iPad called IntelliCast. I believe I paid for it at some point in time, or they had some in-app purchase to get additional features and I'm fine paying for it. I use it all the time. Uh, and IntelliCast is fine, but it has not been updated for the iPhone six plus. And, you know, I feel like if you haven't quite done that yet, uh, maybe this is not the right app for me to continue to, to use. However, uh, I don't know what is at that point. So I would be very curious to hear any of you. And I, and this is, you know, you folks listening at home after the fact, anybody in the chat room that has anything to suggest right now, um, is would be, would be fantastic. So very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I tried a bunch of like the AccuWeathers and the weather bugs years ago and really just found that their UI was, was more cluttered than I needed. It got in my way. It wanted to make the weather this, 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 you know, news event. I don't, I don't need to see the editorializing. I don't need to see pretty stuff. I just want data. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? I just, I just want to look. You don't quick. need to see the weather forecaster risking their life in a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Actually, uh, some that I follow. So there's actually some good Twitter feeds, Dave. So um, I think you mentioned it. If you didn't, though, but the uh, definitive source, at least in the U.S. here for weather data is NOAA.gov, N-O-A-A.gov, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, and they generate uh, all of those reports, right. I think, and are the source for a lot of people. Yeah, you're but right. No, I misspoke. Of- I said National Weather Service. What I and I guess maybe that's one and the same. But what I meant was the NOAA reports. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh, that's under it. And, and actually, okay. the, but yeah. so one thing I so they actually have some Twitter accounts. And actually, there's one that I do follow. And this one's uh, can get exciting uh, for us here. Uh, well, they have. Um, National Hurricane Center Atlantic and National Hurricane Center Pacific. And, and those I follow, especially during hurricane season. It's sure. uh, <laughs> good stuff to know. But they have a, a lot of useful uh, Twitter accounts here, um, too. Oddly enough, you know, it's funny. They seem to be present. Noah has, I don't, they don't have an app. I wonder if they're not allowed to make one or they just rely on other people sure. to consume their data and make it available. Yep. I, don't, I don't see an app, but I see they're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Flickr, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. And they got huh. a podcast. Huh. Cool. Wow, that must be exciting. <laughs> weather pod. Well, hey, you got the Weather Channel. People watch that. I, I always right. thought, you know, why, why would people watch a channel about the weather? Dude, yeah. it's like one of the most popular channels. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't get I just want it. And that's the that's the part I just don't want. They, I don't need it to be news. I don't need it to be entertainment. And I and there are people and, and I'm sure some of you listening fall into this category and it's fine that find watching the weather entertaining. I don't, I don't, I don't need to obsess over it. I have plenty of other things in my life to obsess over. Um, so, so I've got that, I sort of have that niche filled, you know, that uh, I'm good to go. Um, but, uh, but I just, I do need the, the data every now and then, and I need it quickly and efficiently. And, and, um, and so I know what I need. There you go. Hey, um, speaking of what you might need in our Google plus group, Michelle, Asked, are you frustrated with iTunes 12's Get Info panel? Do you want to see or use the old one? If so, select your song or group of songs, right click or control click to bring up the uh, contextual menu. Press now and hold down on the option key and now select Get Info. And that will bring up the old style Get Info window in iTunes if you are into that sort of thing. So, uh, so thank you, Michelle. Good. Good, good stuff. Um, Scott, uh, this was it. It was hard not to mention this when uh, when it first came out. This has become one of my favorite little things. Scott hips us to a an app on iOS for the low and bargain price of three dollars called Workflow. And Workflow is Basically, as Scott says, Automator for iOS, but it's better than Automator. Now, uh, not only can it create, can it interface with other other programs, but it can do almost anything you would want to do under iOS. You create workflows inside it that become apps on your home screen or plugins to the sharing menu. It will take input from the user, URLs from mobile Safari, even read a file from iCloud or Dropbox. Scott says what makes it better than Automator is that it has flow control, including if, then, else, and repeat. There's also a sane way to save variables and use them in other commands. If you're not sure what it can do, they provide some templates and shared workflows. Uh, in my opinion, it's better than IFTTT. I would actually agree with that. It serves a very different purpose from IFTTT because the work is actually being done on your device. You're not relying on a cloud service to do it. Um, workflow is a version 1.1 program. I believe it might even be up to 1.2 right now. Uh, 
but they are worth enduring. This is as far as I'm concerned, concerned three bucks is a bargain price for this app. It's worth more than twice the price. This says workflow is so good. I wonder if the developer could be convinced to do a version for OS 10. It is what automator should be. So yeah, it, it, and he's right. It, and the best part about workflow is you can go download it. You do have to spend your three bucks. Uh, and they show you the first thing that you do is create a workflow that they walk you through doing. So the whole training exercise actually results in a workflow that you can then use. Um, but, uh, but it shows you kind of how to, how to create these workflows and you can do them for, for anything, picture sharing and, and modifications and, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's awesome. Okay. And it got, it did get more expensive. It's up. It is 1.01 still. Um, and it's, uh, it's five bucks now, but, uh, still well worth the, uh, the price I would, uh, I would say. So check it out. If you haven't, have you checked out workflow, John? Oh, dude, heard about it, dude, dude, you gotta, you gotta do it. Why? Oh my God. It's fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome because you can do state. It's like you get to code on, I mean, it's not coding. It's automator on, on iOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yet felt a need to write a workflow. Oh, that's because you have, that's because you aren't even, that's because you and I, we all have been so trained by Apple that the only things that iOS can do for us are the things that other people do for us with iOS and workflow Mm -hmm. changes that it puts you in command um, of able to do this stuff. In fact, I am going to, uh, I am going to send you a copy of it right now because I know you don't like to spend your, your hard earned, uh, your hard earned. No, I got though in the, uh, do you, if you want to give me a gift, sure. I'm going to gift it to you right now. Um, nice. yeah, you got to, uh, you, you probably don't want to put this on the air or maybe you do. Maybe you want other people to give you uh, apps as gifts too. You got to, uh, um, you got to tell me in the, uh, in the chat room or in our, in our private chat, what your, um, what your, uh, uh, what you call it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, which ID you use for, for the iTunes store. That's all. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So do that. And I will, uh, I will send this through to you right now. Because, uh, oh yeah. All right. Sweet. Uh, what else do we have here, John? What? I said, I want to gift the app and now it's not letting me gift it to anyone. I'm saying gift. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's your email. The sender is Dave. This rocks. And now, uh, there's no F in there, right? So, okay. Yeah. I'll send it to you now. There you go. Man. Okay. Stupid iPhone. I'm getting that battery problem again. Uh-oh. It's, di- it's dying again at 20%. That's not good, man. figure this out. Uh, I think it's definitely a software issue. I think it may be that one battery utility I'm running. I don't know. There you go. Start it's, it up again. It, it's all gifted to you. So now when, when you come across that right. app that I have to have, you just gift me back. And then that way we, we force each other to try things. Well, not force, yeah. but, you know, strong arm. <laughs> Encourage. Okay. Uh, that's Workflow. Where are we on time here? We are cooking here. Is there uh I think we got through everything I wanted to get through. Is there anything on the list, John, that uh that you just can't possibly live without here? I'm sure I can come up I will come up with one last one if if you don't. Um but uh but yeah. Well, they, there's one here the the one where you had a follow-up question for me. I don't know if that uh 
Uh, I don't even know where that Theo? is. Oh, yeah, that was the one I was going to pick. Let's do it. All right. Mm, so, good. yeah, um, Theo points out uh, a, a very interesting thing. He says, I was recently out of the country and off the grid. I really didn't want to leave my Mac Pro, uh, which is running Yosemite, but that's a different story, uh, turned on. So I set a carbon copy cloner task for the time that I would be arriving back into the country and gave the task permission to power on the computer. I then shut the computer off. When I got back a week later, my Mac Pro was up and running. I ran the uptime command on it, and it said that it had been on since just after the scheduled CCC task. So that's a cool thing. But Carbon Copy Cloner isn't uh, is a fantastic program. First of all, it, it's awesome. I have almost switched everything to using that now for my automated daily clones and everything because it does. The new UI is awesome. I love it. But... It's awesome, but it's not doing anything that that you couldn't otherwise do with OS 10. So there, John, there must be a way to trigger your Mac to turn on um, at a specific date and time in the future, not just a time every day as Energy Saver would let us do. So what is that magic or is oh. there that magic? That I don't know. Oh, OK. <laughs> say Energy Saver. <laughs> yeah, but Energy Saver only lets you turn it on you know on a specific weekday or you know on every weekday you can say on monday turn it on at, at eight o'clock or whatever yeah 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 you know i wonder if you can change the level of granularity granularity in there because yeah i'm looking now so you can say start or wake up weekdays weekends or every day or a specific day and then the time and in addition it has you know you can sleep restart or shut down uh, yeah. along also the same uh frequency yeah i gotta think there has to be something that can give you better control over that yeah i wonder um you know is it, it, furby's in the chat room has suggested using the pm set command which might do this um i don't know I, I don't know. This is this is one of those things where I know it's possible. I've just never had to do it. I do, however, use that schedule thing um, to start up. I have start up or wake selected um, for every day on, on this computer at 8 a.m. Um, and that way, if if the computer does, for whatever reason, power off, I know it turns back on. And that way I can remote access into it if I'm away. And the longest I would ever have to wait for it to power itself back up if I'm not here is 24 hours. So um, it can be a handy little thing. But yeah, there's got to be an option. And it might be PM set that does it. I'm not uh, I'm not entirely sure. Scott has a uh, has a question for us, John, that we will uh, that we will let him ask. Hey, John and Dave, this is Scott from Los Angeles. Uh, I was just noticing at the very end of each show, the little audio loop you have sounds an awful lot like the audio loop used on uh, the old TV show from the 70s and 80s called Match Game. But a little bit of a coincidence. And kind of funny. All right, don't get caught. Thanks for doing a great show. Bye-bye. Thanks, Scott. I um, I'm not entirely sure what it is you're uh, you're talking about there, but it is time to wrap up the show. You know, um, where's where's uh, Bob Eubanks when you need him? Isn't that who that was? Wow, that's some grooving music. Yeah, it is. But was that Bob Eubanks? I think it was. It had to uh, be. It could be. 
Hi. Is that a mariachi band? That's a mariachi band. I don't know who it was. Oh, Gene Rayburn. How could I have? He was like beat the clock too, right? That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Rayburn. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Good stuff. But it is time to uh, to you know to wrap up here, John. So uh, I think we just gotta we just gotta let it go. That's how it's gonna work, you know. <sighs> Fun show. I think we got through everything we were supposed to get to, or everything we wanted to get through. Hopefully, we did. I like the I like the Gong Show. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was telling the kids in rock. I coach rock band club at the uh, local high school, and I was in a Gong Show. My high school used to have Gong shows, and uh, and uh, and uh, up until this one year where uh, there was this one teacher that just that he wanted to make the show about him, and uh, and so he gonged everybody that he could. And this one group of friends, I, I was, I did this act. We got gone. Um, I did this act where this guitar player and I played this thing together. And then I did like an extended drum solo. And then he did an extended guitar solo. And during his thing, this guy gonged him. And then after us, um, some friends of mine did a rush song, uh, Xanadu. And, uh, and this guy gonged him in the middle. And these guys, these kids had put in a lot of work into learning this tune. And, and so this one kid who was the guitar player who was, very well respected by the administration of the school. He was a top student and everything. As soon as he got gonged, he um, he made a a single fingered gesture at the uh, at the at the judge, and uh, and then started playing Purple Haze. So he was uh, suspended because you have to suspend somebody that makes that gesture in front of the whole school at a teacher. But uh, oh, it's freedom they, of speech. They did away with the gong show after that at school. Which is, you know, that's, free, that's freedom of speech, man. Yeah, I know. how could they restrict this freedom of speech? Yeah, I, you know, it, it would be. But we were talking about bringing it, the concept of bringing it back. It would be, uh, it would be a little dose of reality, perhaps, for some of the 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 more um, everybody gets a trophy uh, attitude. It would be it would be good to see that challenged. But anyway. Yeah, I remember Gene, Gene, the Dancing Machine. Oh, that was, yeah, that was the hilarious part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just you would hear this, you know, you would hear this uh, beginning of this music, and that meant that this guy Gene, Gene, the Dancing Machine, would come out and you know do do his shuffle, and they throw things at him. On the, it was hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, the host. Yeah. Oh my gosh, cocaine is a heck of a drug, huh? Yeah, was, that, was the co- was was the the host of Cokehead? I didn't know. I I, I didn't. He, he seemed very. He seemed. Oh, maybe he was just very energetic. Huh? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, to this day, so Sunday, February eighth in nineteen seventy three was saw the birth of probably many things, um, but uh, FTP was one of them. So there you go. It's uh, wow. Yeah. I know, 42 years old. So FTP is now the answer, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Because, you know, 42 is the answer. Um, you know, I actually, I am going to talk about one thing uh, quickly here. Someone was asking me in the chat room if we, pre-show, if we were using Audio Hijack 3, the new version, to record uh, Mac Ecab, because we've always used Audio Hijack Pro. Uh I've tried out Audio Hijack 3. I actually love the interface. It's much clearer. It's totally different. And so I was quite surprised that I liked it as quickly as I did because I've been using the old interface for 10 years and it really makes sense to me. But the new one's so much easier to get around. I can get to where I want to get without having to dig and, you know, click through six screens. And and I like that. 
Um, unfortunately, one thing that they have not put in the user interface yet is the ability to control the buffer time. That being the amount of time between when sound comes in and sound is actually processed. If you lower the buffer too low, things either you don't get any sound or you get crackly sound. Um, if it's too long, the problem is you can't do any live monitoring, which is exactly what we do. I'm not actually hearing myself uh, direct from the mixer. I'm hearing myself processed through the system. So there is a slight delay when we do the show uh, for what I hear, John. But uh, but I'm used to it and it's very, very slight. But, you know, if you go more than and it's probably it's less, certainly less than 100 milliseconds. It's in the 50 to 100 millisecond range. Um, but if you turn that into half, you know, a second, that's too much and it would be very distracting. And so without the ability to set um, the uh, the buffering, I can't use Audio Hijack 3. It is potentially on their list of things to address. Uh, it just wasn't a priority for version one. So if you are a podcaster that wants to use Audio Hijack 3, but you need the buffering thing, tell them because they are prioritizing their their features and fixes based on your slash our feedback. So it's good stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. When I do need to capture Safari and that sort of thing, I'm, I'm Audio Hijack 3 all the way. It's great. You can have them live alongside each other. They don't get in each other's way. Audio Hijack 3 imports your settings the first time you launch it, but after, but it leaves your old ones alone. So, so you, can, uh, you can test it out. All right. Now, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. John is the address to which... You can send in your comments, questions, and cool stuff found to queue up for the next one of these segments that we do. I concur, Dave, in that it should be, is that you should send things to feedback at MacGeekab.com. Yeah, that's right. That's feedback at MacGeekab.com. 206-666-GEEK, John, is the uh, number that you can call to if you want to leave us a message. And John, geek is... 43 35 that's right visit us on facebook facebook.com uh, actually go to macgeekab.com slash facebook that'll bring you right to the new facebook group that we have we're actually almost at 300 members we're almost at a thousand members on our i think our google plus group if i'm not mistaken or maybe we're over that i don't know we've got lots of people in both places it's uh it's a lot to keep up with and it's awesome so pick whichever one or ones that you like and uh and there's a community in both places so uh so check it out. I want to thank, uh, well, I want to thank you, John, because uh, without you, you know, we don't have this banter and uh, I don't learn things. So that's, uh, you know, it's how we roll. But I also want to thank Michael Johnston uh, from the iOS show and also from getappler.com. He converts the show to AAC for all of us and all of you. Uh, I also want to thank all of you because without you, John and I, uh, we would talk to each other, but we wouldn't uh, necessarily record it every time. So we like this. It's good. So thank you. And also thanks to Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for uh, all the bandwidth that it takes, at least for us to get the show out of our doors and to you. Sponsors include, as we mentioned, Gazelle, gazelle.com. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. Uh, Drobo at drobo.com. That's Drobo and connected data. MGG 50 gets you 50 bucks off there. Lynda.com slash MGG. L-Y-N-D-A.com slash MGG. And Smile. Smilesoftware.com. And Barebones. 
software at barebones.com. All through Backbeat Media here. John, do you have a uh, lasting piece of cool stuff found or uh, some advice for people while they are looking for cool stuff? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, when you're looking for cool stuff or even if you're going to have a disaster uh, come to your uh, neighborhood in the form of a storm or something like that, in both cases, you want to make sure that you don't get caught. 